dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. For many, leadership is an act whereby we influence people to do what we need them to do. This is a very true idea. However, Catholic leadership goes much deeper. For Christians, we try to lead others not only to do what we need them to do, but to be whom God has made them to be. This lasting legacy needs more than skills of command and organization. It needs the ability to inspire in a way that leaves a legacy. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking this time out of your your schedule to be here because we realize that the call of Christ needs people willing to implement it in order to make its impact known in our world. It's one thing to say that we are Catholics, right, and that we're baptized and that we, we do great things in the world, and another thing to say that we're accomplishing God's mission. Having a job, having a family, having a successful career is the beginning. And it's the place where God has called you into mission. Absolutely, therefore, it's important. However, the success of our mission cannot be judged merely by the external standards of a successful operation. Sometimes reaching our objectives in our jobs or reaching our objectives in our home. You know, let's, let's choose what school the kids are going to go to, right? That's a classic example. You have to put a lot of thought into that. You have to think about what's good for the, this child, what the budget can handle, what our stress loads can handle, etc. right? So be it at home or be it at work, you have to make the same decisions all the time. And we can think that if only we could get to the point of making that decision, that then all will be well in the world. And yet we find that that's actually not the case, <laughs> that we, we do all that we're supposed to do. And then in the end, like, what is it that really makes our success? And I ask you to be in touch with that because we're supposed to be Christian leaders here, folks, right? So yes, we need to get things done, but doing them as, what difference does it make to get things done and to do them as a Christian? Shouldn't we be able to tell the difference between a Christian's leadership and the leadership of a non-Christian? On the one hand, you won't be able to tell the difference because both of them entail getting something done, right? I mean, it, it, when you have a problem to solve, the, the, the goal is to solve the problem. And so from that point of view, what we would call the material cause of leadership, there's no difference. As a matter of fact, if you think that leadership is found in doing something else, well, you've missed the point. I mean, a leader has to enter into the, the contingencies and the vicissitudes of life to carry forth the accomplishment of a vision amidst those contingencies and vicissitudes successfully. The ability to plan 
is as important as the ability to pivot. <laughs> it's like one of my mentors told me one time, a beautiful thing. They said, Father Nathan, remember that a good plan is always dynamic, meaning always able to change and to be changed. A good plan is able to pivot. And so th this is a, a key thing. We know that, right? So, but this is where you have to have your focus. If I'm leading, it's because I'm supposed to be in problems all the time. A leader is solving problems. That's what a leader does because the field and the scope of leadership is human action. Okay, we get all that. And if for, to that degree, there'll be no difference between a Christian leader and anyone else. Where does the difference lie? Well, you could say, number one, the difference is going to lie in our sense of vision because a Christian's goals are different than a non-Christian goals in that we're not just trying to solve this problem, but we're trying to glorify God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by solving these problems. So we have a, a depth to us that is different from someone else's motivations. And that means that as we solve those problems, we're going to have a perspective on societal life, on the, on the place that this problem solution actually plays in the realism of people's lives. In other words, I'm not just putting in a sewer system. No, 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 no. I am actually allowing people a greater sense of dignity because their soul is greater than their body, right? So it's the intangible. It's the intangible depths of motivation where our vision of faith will have an impact. I am doing the same things as everyone else, but I'm doing them with a different perspective, a different vision, a different sense of why I'm doing it because it's motivated by my faith. And this different vision will be carried off into a different set of priorities as we make our plans. If I'm gonna, as a Christian leader, people should notice that you always put your workers first and that you insist on the dignity of your workers and their rights. You, the, the people should notice that you constantly choose to be in solidarity with the poor, that you live in subsidiarity, putting the, the ability for the, the lower people on your team to rise to the top, that you have a sense of the dignity of each individual and put your workers' lives first, and that everything that you do comes for the common good, both of your company and of society. Those are the four principles of Catholic social doctrine. And those four principles, will they guide the decisions that we make as Christian leaders, as Catholic leaders in the workplace? So people, when they see us lead, should notice that there's a consistently different way that a Christian leads because of those four principles. The human dignity, and the way that our workers are treated, and the, the insistence on having breaks that are necessary, on maternity leave, on just wages, things like that. The common good, the fact that the fact is that we defend our company and we work to promote it, and we navigate everything towards that set of conditions that will allow the individual rights of each member to flourish. Subsidiarity that everything that we do puts the value on the lower members so that we don't have a top-heavy autocracy. Our bosses, in other words, are not slave owners. They are, in fact, supposed to be teammates. And we're supposed to use our authority to lift up the other members of, that are actually being with us. 
Finally, the fourth principle, which is that of solidarity, allows us to see everything that we do in the bigger perspective of helping other people, especially the poor. So all those principles are part and parcel of the ethos of what we're doing. But that's not it, only it. A Christian will also be noticed in their leadership by the very way that we carry out our labors. The grit and determination that we carry should be marked by the sign of the cross. Where suffering has an intrinsic link to the goal that we're trying to accomplish. The grit and the sacrifice necessary in order to accomplish any endeavor is part and parcel of our gift and our offering to God, right? So that, that drive aspect of what we're doing is carried by the cross of Christ. And that should make us able to encourage our fellow workers, able to encourage the other members of our team with a depth that's unparalleled. And then finally, this is the point of where I'd like to, us to study today. It's in the legacy that we leave behind. A Christian leader leaves behind themselves a legacy that is deeper and broader and richer than the type of impact any other kind of leadership will give. A legacy. What's the legacy that you're leaving behind you? This is indeed, you know, it ought to be the legacy of God. It ought to be the place where God is glorified. How do I do that? It's no easy task, but it's why we're here today. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So how do I lead as a Christian, right? This is it. And, and especially, how do I make sure that everything that I'm doing in those spheres of influence which I own, am I doing God's will? What is God looking for from me, right? I've got to be a dad. I've got to be a mom. I've got to be an aunt or an uncle. How do I become an aunt or an uncle the way God wants me to be? What's the goal? that I'm supposed to be focused in on here with my life? You know, it's, it's kind of a strange thing to ask the question, you know? But the wise person asks that question. Because if I know that I've got one shot to live, one life to live, one shot to fire in this world, I definitely don't want to miss it. So if I know that God's given me one shot to be an ant, and I really want to be the best ant I possibly can be, well, then it, it behooves us to sit down and think, what does God want me to accomplish with this? What does being a good ant look like? What is God's purpose in giving me life and then giving me a niece, right? So that's like one example of being an ant, but you could do it in many different ways. Why am I running my company? Why am I a manager and my plant floor? Why am I a skilled laborer where I am? I mean, my goodness, if I just own an electrician, is that all I'm supposed to do? I want you to get in touch with that because when you get in touch with the ultimate purpose, you can get in touch with the legacy that you're supposed to leave behind. Getting a true vision for where we're, what we're supposed to do comes from having a clear focus on why we're supposed to do it. This why, it's a very powerful thing for someone to know why they're doing what they're doing. 
If you know why you're doing what you're doing, then you're going to infuse what you do and how you do it with a sense of transcendency. You have a bigger purpose present in the material and the functionality of your day. I go into the classroom, not just there in order to convey knowledge about bugs and plants and, and evolution, things like this. No, no, no. I go into the classroom in order to transform people into their best selves. Right? Well, if you do that, then when you're teaching about bugs and plants and evolution and all these things, you're going to teach about them from the point of view of someone who knows the power of education beyond those things. And that means that your teaching is going to have the flavor and the, the particular zest and power to actually achieve that greater mission. And God comes not to make biology teachers, but to make educators. And then those educators take that education into biology. That's just fine. But you need to be an educator in the sphere of biology. You need to be a healer in the sphere of medicine. You need to be a leader in the sphere of business. Do you see how that works? And that bigger transcendent position is touched when you know and understand that deeper purpose that God has put you on earth for. You no longer, in other words, simply leave an impact. You leave a legacy. Now, what's the difference between legacy and impact? Well, legacy is going to be a kind of impact. All, all legacy is impact, but not all impact is legacy. <laughs> yeah, words, all, all legacy is a form of impact, but not all impact is a form of legacy. In other words, you can make impact in your life that simply go, comes and goes. It's transient. A legacy is not transient. A legacy is a spirit that lingers. And the deeper the legacy you can leave, the longer the impact will linger. Think about the legacy of someone like Alexander the Great. I mean, I suppose he's left a legacy, but it's somewhat fading. <laughs> you could say that. Like, you know, it's a fine thing, Alexander the Great. We all kind of admire him. But most of you don't even know how old he was when he died, or you don't know where he exactly ruled. I know that my first influence with Alexander the Great was as a kid when I used to eat this type of candy that was called Alexander the Grape. And so we have some sort of, we know his name, but we don't know much more about him. And you compare that with Jesus Christ. Well, his legacy is pretty amazing because it's not only spawning the lives of saints, but it's inspiring and it seems to be growing, right? The, the depth that people have of their personal connection with Jesus Christ, it's, it's unparalleled. I don't think I would challenge you to find another figure in history whose followers claim such an intimate relationship with their founder as Christians claim to have with Christ. Not only does he live within them, but we, we decrease into him. Like, it, it's to such a degree that in our faith, we recognize that our battles are actually his. And that we are incorporated into his body by baptism, live out his mystery in the world. We, we decrease and melt into him without losing our autonomy or our personality. But in a sense, we gain it 
but by this mystical union with Christ. So, you know, I mean, it's amazing. The church is there as the body of Christ in the world. That's quite an affirmation because we're following up in his legacy. He's left the legacy of himself alive in and through the members of his church, and that's the functionality of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is really quite a thing. So when we think about legacy, you know, you want to think about what is the lingering impact of my life? And as a Christian, my legacy is to leave the impact of Christ on the lives of those whom I influence. To actually bring Jesus into this world. That's, that's something that as a leader will make me markedly different than everyone else. I'm different in my vision. I'm different in my plan. I'm different in my execution. And finally, I'm different in the legacy that I leave. Whereas others might try to leave a legacy behind of, of order, of beauty, of success and prosperity. Think of a president as he parts from his role. He wants to at least say, I left the country better than I found it. And the measurement will almost always be an economic one because that's what a president's scope tends to be. But what if the president leaving behind the country were to leave behind as a leader? The measurement wouldn't be economic. The measurement would be economic, but it would also be in terms of the culture that they left behind, the values and the strength of the character of the people. Right? And, so, and in the same way, for us, that's looking at a legacy from a deeper perspective. The ultimate perspective of a Christian we look back at the legacy we lead and we say, have we made this world more or less fit for the glory of heaven? And have we brought the glory of heaven in a more effective and accessible way into this world? I mean, it's, it's a rather intense gaze. <laughs> but you were made for intense things. You were made, you didn't come here because you were looking for comfort or for ease. If you did, well, then the Christian life is just never going to really fit for you. You're going to remain disengaged from your Christian life because you remain disengaged from challenge. Christian life is extremely challenging, my friends. It's for those who dare the heights. It's, it's not for those who look for an easy way out. You came here because you wanted to dare the heights. Well, here is the height that I want you to dare. I want you to labor for the kingdom of God through and in the operations and the actions of this world. This is the vocation of the Catholic layman. A Catholic lay person is called to embrace this world in the name of Christ, with the love that Christ has for this world, from cooking to cleaning to, to cleaning office spaces, to cleaning windows, to putting in plumbing, to organizing teams to effectuate database changes, whatever it is. Though that nitty-gritty stuff of this world is the stuff that we're called to form and to forge as Christians engaged in the workplace and in the world. It's just that we're not supposed to stop at that. We have a lot of great cooks. <laughs> We've got a lot of great babysitters out there. A Christian is called to cook and to babysit and to do it in as Christ did it and as Christ would have them do it for the glory of the Father. This is the focus of our legacy. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute 
the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So we all know that we as Christians are trying to leave a legacy of soul behind us, glorifying the Father, and that Aquinas has a lot to say about that. You know, this is where Aquinas will talk about heaven. St. Thomas Aquinas will talk about the joys of the soul in union with God. I mean, just go back and read St. John of the Cross as he builds upon St. Thomas Aquinas and puts it in a mystical sphere of the, the life of prayer and mystical union of grace with a soul in God. I mean, there's a word that Thomas employs that I think is beautiful. He calls it fruitio. Fruitio is the same root of the word fruition or fruit, right? It's, and it means to enjoy the union, to rest in the union that we have with the one whom we love and for whom we have fought the good fight. So this is important because if I'm going to leave the legacy behind of, the, of Jesus himself and bring his Holy Spirit and his presence into the world, well, it means that I need to do everything that I'm doing by starting with that union that I have with him. And you see, fruitio doesn't just mean to enjoy that union in a sense of like a, a, a selfish way, right? Like I enjoy an apple or an orange. No, fruitio is much deeper than that. Fruitio is a meeting of everything in me that's ordained towards and is fulfilled by Jesus with that fulfillment of my potential in him. It's the deep rest of actuality and not the deep rest of ceasing actions. It's, uh, see, it's, it, it, the old closest analogy you can get to Fruitio is really in love. When you are loving someone, you are meeting and melding yourself with them. You're bonding with them. You are, you are understanding them from the inside. You are enjoying their presence and enjoying their person by meeting them and by being received by them as well. In the union of hearts, you have a type of, of, of fruitio, a type of enjoyment that is selfless, losing yourself in the other. And that's the bond that we're called to have at the center of all that we do. When the legacy that I leave when I begin with fruitio and I found my entire action as a leader in that rest in Christ is a legacy that transcends what we're doing with a kind of wisdom and a depth that cannot be replaced by any other perspective. I bring the why of what I'm doing right into the heart of how I operate and what I do on a daily basis. And that why, it's the deep union that I have with my God. Christians operate from that why. And so that legacy then that I leave is a legacy of wisdom, a legacy of understanding that my friends, it's not about whether or not the building stands only. It's about how we operated while we put that building to stand and about the deep why we were doing it to begin with. The perspective that I have 
that of the one whom I carry inside my soul, the lover who has pushed me to the great heights of talent in law and in medicine and in pharmacy, that deep lover who has romanced me into greatness is present now as I lead you into that same greatness. That, that wisdom that we carry inside of us, the world can never measure. And yet it's the deepest gift that we can give to those who follow us. How do I give my legacy? Well, it, here it's not just a, a skill in the sense of a virtue that's going to do it. There needs to be a skill here that's really in the sense of an, of an act of power. If I want to actively give my legacy, I have to do more than just be great. I need to actually know how to leverage it concretely in my actions. And this is really interesting because when you go to Aristotle and you look at the different aspects that he lays out as a philosopher for the success of a leader, he uses prudence, he uses art. And he uses both of those to say, okay, those virtues of prudence and art, if you want to think of art, think of skill, those things are necessary. And he calls them arete in Greek. Arete in Greek means excellences. So kind of like you have to become really good at making decisions and you have to be really good at being the origin of activities, prudence and art. Then he gets to a third and he says, the third thing that you need to lead is the excellence of rhetoric. Now, by rhetoric, he doesn't mean the pejorative sense. He means it in the ability to communicate what you have clearly. Now, this is critical because if I'm going to leave a legacy, I can't just aim at high things. I need to effectively communicate them. And the, the art of communication is in rhetoric. And here he says there are five things that make your communication important. The first is that it be correct. The second is that it be clear. The third is that it give evidence, that it be deep. The fourth is that it be proper. And the fifth is that it be beautiful. Okay, correct, clear, deep, proper, and beautiful. And each one of those is where I can focus my energies. So as we go forward in studying Aquinas' act of leadership, we're going to go forward and studying how do I actually speak in those ways? And, and, and that's just an awesome thing. But what the point I want to get to you is that we need to want to leverage it, to have that deep union with Christ and to want to share it. This is the beginning of leaving an authentic legacy as a leader, a legacy that will not end because it's the legacy we're supposed to give as a Christian, the legacy of eternal life and Christ himself. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.